in today's show. I'm here to talk about the Orlando Magic, their players, how the season went, what we can look forward to in the future. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. We're going to look at the Orlando Magic, how their season went, what, what it means for the future what we can look at with these players as well. So, Warney. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the magic. Let's talk about what they went through this season. They were 22-60, and 60, the NBA's second worst record. They are in the number two slot at the moment, equal lottery odds for the first overall pick, as, uh, of course, we know how that works. The lowest they can drop down is number six if four teams jump ahead of them. So, yeah, that's they're in a pretty strong spot lottery wise. What yeah, 22 and 60 is not obviously great. They had the worst offense in the NBA. Encouragingly, mid pack defensively, 17th defensively. They also underperformed their well, no, sorry, they overperformed slightly their expected win loss. They were supposed to win 21-61 based on their record. There were some positive things this season. There's still a team searching. Getting the number one or number two pick here this year would be massive for them. And of course, they did it all year without Yokai Jonathan Isaac, who didn't play at all, and their limited playing time for Markel Fultz. We'll start with uh, we'll start with Isaac. We won't get into that just yet. We'll look a little bit more at the team and where they sit in terms of contracts and the, the future coming up. Also, in terms of draft picks, they do have pick 32 as well, and 35, as well as pick 2. Yeah, 1 to 6 is their range. So, having two high-value early second rounders is very good. Sometimes those early second rounders can be really valuable. So, three, you know, obviously a very quality pick early on. They might end up with a Jabari Smith or a Chet Holmgren or whoever. But having these couple of picks at the start of the second round. Also relatively useful. One of those coming from the Indiana Pacers. Pick 35 is from the Pacers. So they got that pick. So that, that's obviously really useful for them. If we now look at Jonathan Isaac, what do we make of him? He hasn't played a game since August 2020. It's going to be over two years. Shout out to John Wall. Over two years since he's played an NBA game when the season rolls around. When he did play, he was really good. Yeah, an absolutely elite defensive player who was showing growth in his offensive game. But how can we trust it? Well, you can't. Ankle injuries ruined the start of his career and then multiple knee injuries have ruined the next portion of his career. The last time we saw him, that 1920 season, 
Oh, by the way, he played 34 games in that one. He still played only 29 minutes, and he was the 43rd best player in fantasy. He averaged 1.6 deals and 2.3 blocks. He had a true shooting of 55, which was up from 54 the year before that. He still is not a great shooter, but 34% from deep. Seven boards, 12 points, 29 minutes. Like Theoretically, 33 minutes a night, he could average 15 and 8, two steals, two blocks. And that's a top 20 player. But nobody should have any faith in him ever doing that. So how the hell do we view Jonathan Isaac dynasty-wise? It's a really good question. I think you should be never considering him as a top 50 asset. Maybe top 80. The fact that he's now had surgery on his hamstring after he's trying to recover from the knee is troublesome. I wouldn't want to take on the perpetual injury risk. And I, I talk about you know, how the injury-prone label is significantly overused a lot. I think with Isaac, though, it, it, it's real. Like, this is multiple ankle injuries, multiple knee injuries, serious ones. Recovering from a knee injury, you tear your hamstring and have surgery. Maybe his body's not cut out for it. Very much along the lines of a Malcolm Brogdon, perhaps. And that's got to give us pause. I would not view him as a top 100. Top 100 dynasty prospect with the fact that he's played, hasn't played 40 games in a season. So he's done 40 games in a season once in his career. That's pretty rough. And that makes it really hard to get invested in him long-term. We'll get to the rest of the magic in a sec, but betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. I wonder if there's an odds on betonline.net for how many games Jonathan Isaac plays next season. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website, check out all of the odds for the playoff games that are going on at the moment, or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. So let's look at the magic. While it's a disappointing... I didn't actually talk about this, did I? Free agency. I got completely sidetracked. Well, we talked about John Isaac. Hey, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing here. Let's talk about what their um, roster looks like. Gary Harris, free agent. That's $20.5 million coming off the books. Robin Lopez, weird signing. He's off the books as an unrestricted free agent. Bol Bol, who they traded for in like a salary dump situation with the, the Celtics. He's a restricted free agent. Has he ever shown anything? Not really. Um, Mo Bamba is a restricted free agent. He's got a $22.7 million qualifying offer. Is he worth that? Absolutely not. They Will he sign the qualifying offer? He might. I don't know what they do with him. Do they, They're not going to trade him at this point. Do they let others bring offers in? It's a big qualifying offer. He's a very interesting prospect for them as to what they're going to do. If I was them, knowing that I've got Wagner, Akiki, and Isaac, who can all play next to Wendell Carter... If you, unless you think the Bumba can be your backup center, which he probably should. I'm not sure you pay, you don't pay him $10 million a year. I don't, I don't think. So what happens there is really interesting. You've got Brisdakis and Schofield, who are both um, two-way guys who are restricted as well. Mo Wagner's non-guaranteed. I reckon they'll bring him back. Honestly, Mo Wagner as your backup center instead of Mo Bumba at $1.7 million versus a $22.7 million qualifying offer for Bumba. Yeah, I'll take Wagner. And Devin Kennedy... They signed at the end of the year. He's got 1.7 non-guaranteed for next year as well. 
So, yeah, Harris is gone. They're not going to be free agency players. They'll be looking to get another draft pick in to work with these guys. They've still got a lot of question marks. What happens at guard? Anthony, Fultz, Suggs. How does it work? Will they trade Terrence Ross, who's got one year left at 11.5 million? Maybe. He's 30 years of age. They'll be looking to move on from him. What do you do with Wagner, Isaac, and Akiki? Up forward. What do you do with Bumba? Where the hell does RJ Hampton fit? Not really anywhere good, I wouldn't have thought. A lot of a lot of question marks still to be sorted out with this team. And then you add in the number two, number one, number three pick in the draft, whatever it is. Where do they fit? You'd love to get a three. And then, you know, what do you do with a Kiki, Wagner, and Isaac? They all play the four. You've got a lot of players and none who really dominate and stand out, which is where they need this next guy to be. So I don't think you really draft a player based on need because you sort of need everything. You just try and get the best guy that you can get. That's how I would be looking at it as the Orlando Magic. So let's talk about their best fantasy player this year. It was Wendell Carter Jr. I've been pretty high on Wendell since the draft process. He just turned 23. Never really got it working in Chicago. Jim Boylan screwed him up, I think, with some of his confidence with his shooting and passing. But he finally got a starting role. He played only 30 minutes tonight. He averaged 15 and 10. Three assists. 33% from deep. 53 overall. 70th ranked player. 102. in. He's been injured in the past, but he was pretty good this year. 62 games. It's not great, but still okay. And he was 59th in points leagues. Averaged 34 fantasy points. I thought he was really good. He was um, second on this team. Equal second with Wagner for Raptor. His EPM led this team by considerable margin. He was 90th, 90th percentile in the NBA and 90th percentile defensive EPM. Big wins added, great 60% true shooting, great effective field goal percentage, great finishing at the rim, 71%, big rebound numbers and room to improve defensively with his block numbers as well. Led the team in LeBron by a sizable margin. He was at two and the next closest was 0.5. Like, I think he was... Actually, excellent. Where can he get better? Well, 30 minutes can go to 32. 33% from deep might go to 34%. And it's the 0.7 blocks to me. You take 1.7, you take 0.7 blocks, which is a putridly low number. 0.7 blocks. It gets to 1.4. Shit, maybe it gets to 1.8. That's top 30. Do not discount what Wendell is doing. It takes literally just the blocks. If the blocks get over one, this is top 50. If they get to 1.5, it's top 30. That is how good I think he can become. And he is 23 years of age. 23. There's a lot of upside to come from him. I don't think many people would have expected at, at the start of the season, or even now, that when we talk about who the best player was for fantasy this year... I don't think many people would have thought it was Wendell. But it was, very comfortably. And all the advanced stats would say a similar thing. thought he was really, really impressive um, over the course of the season and got better as it went on. I'm very excited for his future. And he has shown an ability in the past to be a shot blocker. So don't discount that he can do that. As I have a coffee as we go through here. All right. Next guy. It is Mo Bamba. One, two, three, four, five. Now, Bumper to me, 76th category league player. Points league, he was worse, 101st. That's expected. The difference between him and, and Carter in terms of category and fantasy values is it's small. 70 to 76, basically the same. 
But one guy I'm really excited about where their future is, and Mo, I'm not so sure. Bumber's also a year older than Carter. Bear that in mind. He averaged 11 and 8. He hit 1.53s at 38%. That's really good. And blocked 1.7 shots. Was pretty strong from the free throw line as well, 78%. But only 8 rebounds. He's not a good rebounder. I don't think he's a particularly good defender. His advanced stats were pretty rough. Negative 1.7 on Raptor. His EPM was... If I can find it on the list... Um, 0.3, which is okay. That's 73rd percentile. It's okay, but you know his rim finishing wasn't... The 67 is okay. Um, obviously, he doesn't pass ever. His block numbers were pretty strong. We know that. The 6.2% block rate is really good. 149th overall, he finished in terms of EPM. His LeBron numbers were... Look, they're okay. Negative 0.09, which is an all right number. I just... I don't know. I just don't view him as a piece of the future. Wendell Carter's on off this year, 8.8, positive 8.8. Mo Bumbers, negative two. That is a stark difference. They played together a lot. Yet when it was Wendell on his own, up. When it was Bumber alone, down. I I know that he's got a really good fantasy game, Mo Bumba. Really good. I just don't know if he's ever going to have this sort of role again. He played 26 minutes a night. Is this the best we ever get from Mo Bamba? I think it's a distinct possibility. Because I think his best role is going to be as a 22-minute guy, 20-minute-a-night player, as a backup, not as a starting power forward next to Wendell Carter or starting center, however you want to phrase it. So in Dynasty Leagues, I'd be like using these numbers to try and extract another top 75 guy. His free agency does complicate things, but that's how I would look at that. Very interesting to see what happens with him. He averaged 28 fantasy points. Cole Anthony, red hot start. Unbelievable. His first couple of games, like, I was not interested in Cole Anthony at all. I thought, you know what? Yeah, Suggs is going to take over. Um, maybe Hampton gets an opportunity. And they started Anthony and Suggs together. And his first game was a bit rough. And it was just carrying on from last year. And I, I, don't, I don't buy this. And then he went crazy. And he was hitting every shot possible. And then, for about the last four months... It was barely rosterable. He did end up 88th. That's because he was top 30 for about the first two months or first six weeks. He fell way off. He ended up playing only 32 minutes a night. He had consistent ankle problems. He averaged 16, 5, and 6, but no steals, no blocks. 39% from the field. 85 from the line is really good, and he hit 34% from three. Look, there was some, there's some good numbers in there. But if we remember what he did early in the season, what it ended up being was really disappointing. He was 10th on this team in Raptor. He was 5th on this team in EPM and 212th overall in the NBA with big negative defensively. Um, really below average true shooting and horrific effective field goal percentage at 46%. That's a horrendously low number. And defensively, he struggled. His LeBron was av- you know, below average as well. well. It was actually about average. And I don't really know where he fits. Can he play next to Fultz? I'm not convinced of that. So did he just become the backup behind Fultz and Suggs? Probably. I don't know. I'm, I. It was good to see what we saw from him. And I was like, all right, so he's just going to be the starter for them and where does Fultz fit? But it was, it was about a six-week hot streak. And then it just disappeared for Cole. And again, the numbers overall look good except for the bad shooting, bad steals, bad blocks. 
Good rebounder, good assist guy. I'm just a little bit concerned of where the future is for him, where it goes. I'm, I'm a little bit worried about, is he in their best lineup? Does he get 30 minutes a night next season? I'd be very, actually be pretty shocked if he does. A lot, a lot to unpack with where Cole Anthony is. I had a lot to unpack when my Built Bar order arrived as well because there's 11 boxes of them. That's how much I love them. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Instead of reaching for a snack, which is going to be full of sugar and full of fat, full of calories, I get a Built Bar. They're low in calories, but they're high in protein, 17 grams. So after working out, straight down the gym, chucking the iron around, pushing steel, get that protein in, 17 grams in each bar, and maybe they're puffs as well. Marshmallow infused, other way around. Protein infused marshmallow. What a great combination. I've got the lemon dip cheesecake in the puffs. I love that too. And you can get it for 15% off. Go to built.com, use the code LOCK15, and you'll save 15% off your order of built bars. Built bar is built different. Parts for your car. Local chain auto parts store, get that garbage out of here. Rock Auto, we're all on board. Because Rock Auto is the best place. It is a family-owned business. They've been serving auto parts customers for over 20 years online. And whatever part you need, whether it's brake parts or tail lamps or motor oil or even new carpet, why would you spend 30, 50, 100% more to get those parts at a local chain auto parts store and deal with the ignominy of standing in a queue and having a bloke condescendingly talk to you? You can just do it from the comfort of your own home or on your phone at rockauto.com. So go to rockauto.com and see all those parts available for your car or truck. And in there, how did you hear about us box? Right, locked on. So that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Who's next on this list? Cole Anthony for points leagues. Should have mentioned that. 75th in points leagues he was. He averaged 32 fantasy points. 25 usage. I'm a bit worried about where it goes. It's time to talk about this guy. Franz Wagner. He was a player that I liked in the pre-draft process. I had him at about this 7 to 10 range. He ended up going at pick 8. He did a lot of things that I thought he could do, but did them better than I thought he could do them. But my concern still with him remains, does it get better? And obviously, yes, it does. But can Franz Wagner be a guy that is your number one? I don't think so. He had a couple of opportunities, and he did it a couple of times, but there was inconsistency. Is he a, is he a solid passer? Yes. Is he a solid defender? Yes. Is he a solid scorer? Yes. Is he a solid shooter? Yes. Is he above average in basically everything? Yes. He did it in 21% usage. He played 31 minutes. He's going to improve. He was the 100th ranked player in category leagues this year. That's really good. Really good. I didn't expect that from him. 115 points leagues, average 27 fantasy points. Really good. What improves? 31 minutes to 33? Sure. Yes. Is Wagner and Isaac your front court of the future? Well, at least Wagner is. I don't know about Isaac or Akiki or where they go, but Wagner is a key piece. Is he the best player on this team? I don't think so, but he's probably second behind Carter, I, I think. His EPM was 1.2. That's 80th percentile. That's so impressive. I named him on my first team, all rookie team, when I did that show the other day. His rim finishing numbers are bad, 56%. And he got to there a lot. That is a that is a key area he can improve. 36% from three, good. 86 from the line, really good. Rebound numbers, probably need some work. Good, good assists, good turnover numbers. 
Solid enough defensive numbers. Yeah, right up there in LeBron. Played almost 2,500 minutes. Pretty good Darko numbers projecting forward. But I'm just, yeah, a plus 8.3 on off. Yeah, him and Anthony. Anthony was a plus 4.8. And Carter, plus 8.8. Like, huge. That's why I was so disheartened by Bumba's negative two. The fact that these other starters are all so good. And then Bumba's like, I'm getting carried by you guys. I think that's what that tells me there. He was really good. But I always try and look and go, where, what does improve? I think it's rim finishing. The 15 points, 18 points, absolutely. Can he ever be a 22 guy? I don't think so. Can he up his three-point volume? He only attempted 28% of his shots from deep. That needs to be 40 or 50. He needs to start taking more shots from deep because he's not a bad shooter. We need more steals and blocks. Yeah, next year, I think he's probably going to get drafted in the 80s, and I think that's probably correct. And I, I think he can have... You think Nikola Batum, right? Is that lazy because they're both European? Maybe. But just in terms of a bloke who can have like top 40, top 50 seasons, contribute right across the board without ever blowing up one category. That's sort of how I see France. Really impressed with him as a rookie. I'm just trying to see what is the area that actually blows up for him. Can he ever become 27 and 7? I don't think so. Like 27 and 5? I don't know. 18, 4, and 4? Probably. 18, 5, 18, 6, and 4? Probably. And that's really good for a long time. You've got a great asset for a long time on your hands. I'm just not sure how far it actually blows up. That's my only, my only slight concern, I guess. After France, it's Markel Fultz, who's really impressive. Coming back from the ACL, only played 18 games and only 20 minutes a night. But average 11, 3, and 5.5, and 1.1 steal. Shot 47 and 81. Look, that's only a real small sample, and that includes just a putrid 24% from three. He, he needs to hit them better. He needs to take more. Only 9% of his shots from three. He's never going to be a good three-point shooter. Contract-wise, he's got two more years at 16 and a half and 17, so he's under contract. He led the team in Raptor, plus 2.1. His EPM was a negative 1.3, which is about league average. His true shooting is still where the worry is, but his assist rate was, uh, it's unbelievable. Now, that is going to fall. He was going at a 45% assist rate. It's it's a ridiculously high number. It's 99th percentile in the NBA. Michael Fultz is a pretty good passer. I don't think he's that good. So there's going to be a fall off. He also had a steal rate in the 94th percentile. Not convinced that's going to stick. All his advanced numbers were unbelievably good. Unbelievably good. But, actually, not all of them. His Darko was a little bit down. He's never even been a zero Darko player in his career, on average. He's, he's not 24 yet. He's about to turn 24. Same age as Bumba. But where, where does he go? Well, those five assists in 20 minutes, is, he's not going to be a nine assist player or anything. But he should be able to play 29, 30 minutes a game. And have a real impact on Cole. He's two years older than Cole. But I thought what he did was a bit more impressive than Anthony. But could they just cannibalize each other for the next couple of years? I, I think that's a risk as well. Fultz, if I get down to his on-off stuff, if I can find it. Plus 4.8. Again, very impressive. 
When he was on the court, they were good. It's really good numbers. But where where is where's the upside in him? I think the upside is just more minutes, really. Again, understanding that steal rate and assist rate are going to fall away. But he was very, very good. And it creates a conundrum for them. Chumra Kiki. 151st ranked player this year. Bit of a popular sleeper target by some. Didn't really live up to that. ADP 141, rank 151. Points leagues worse, 169th, because he's not a good points league guy. He averaged 22 points. He averaged in 25 minutes a game. I think he was injured to start the year as well. Nine points, five rebounds, 1.73s. So that's good. 1.4 steals. That's good. The problem is he shot 38%, including 32 from three and 48 from two. Like the shooting is a very big worry, but he hit his free throws, albeit on low attempts. Great defensive numbers. That's really impressive for Truma. Advanced stats didn't love him as much. Like they love Fultz, they love Carter, they love Wagner. Truma, not so much. Big offensive negative, massive offensive negative in EPM and in Raptor. Big negative offensively in LeBron. They all basically say the same thing. Defensively, you're good, but I'm not sure how playable you are offensively. And net rating, negative 1.9. Not that good. The potential for him to be a 1.7 steal, one block player, two threes, 12 points, four boards, four assists, it's there. But with Wagner, with Isaac... With a Banchero, Smith, Holmgren guy potentially coming in, I don't know where he fits. He's the same age as Fultz and Bamba. It's only his second NBA season, missed all of his rookie year, a little bit older coming out as well, sophomore, I believe, coming out. So there is a little concern as to how high he can go up. Can he ever have a top 100 year? Probably, but only just. And I think the fact that he's just behind Wagner as much as he is. Now, if Isaac never recovers, not crazy to suggest that. If Isaac never recovers, then an Akiki-Wagner starting combo is possible. But I think if you had that lineup, you'd always be looking, all right, where do we improve next? Ah, oh, it's Truma. We just replace Truma. Like, who goes... It's not going to be who goes next to Truma, it's who goes next to France. And whether that is getting your wing. Like, he's not your wing that you need. He's a guy that could fill in and be solid defensively, but really hurt you offensively. And I think that's going to end up overall limiting his minutes upside and yeah, low usage, low percentage stuff limits his overall fantasy value, I think. Well, no, I think I'm pretty confident in saying that. Gary Harris. This is where we drop out of really relevant guys, mostly. 202nd ranked player, Gaz was. 223rd in points leagues. Gary is only 28. Ama that is amazing to me that he's only 28. He's out of contract. So is anyone going to bring him? Someone will, but it will be in a much smaller role. I thought he was okay this year. Negative 1.4 Raptor. It's not bad. 66th percentile on EPM. True shooting of 58, above league average. Contributed to wins. That's why they sat him at the end of the year. Putrid rebounder. Good defensive player. He's got a role. The days of him having top 50 fantasy seasons are well in the review mirror, but he improved. He'd forgotten how to shoot before this season, but he was able to get that back on track. Finish at the rim pretty well. 39% from three, really good. Mid-range shots were atrocious, but thankfully he didn't take many of those. And I think overall, he was just solid enough to be a rotation player on a solid team. Like Imagine him on the Lakers 
instead of Avery Bradley. I shit you not. Like they would have won six more games, I reckon at least, if the, if you made that change. That's the sort of role that he can fit into. Not going to be really fantasy relevant, but relevant enough still in the NBA, I think. Let's talk about Jalen Suggs now, who I was actually pretty high on as a player. I think I had him in my last mock draft. I had him fifth, which is where he ended up going. I wouldn't have him fifth anymore. He's 21. He played only 48 games. He had multiple ankle problems. He played only 27 minutes. He averaged 12, three and a half, and four and a half. Okay, look, they're not atrocious numbers, but only one three, and this was part of a problem him coming in, low volume threes. He shot 21% from deep and 44% from two. Like, they are horrible numbers. He did get 1.2 steals and 0.4 blocks. And defensively, I thought he was actually pretty good. And you don't really say that for rookies or rookie guards ever. And in fact, he's... His uh, offensive Raptor was so bad, negative 4.2. Like, that's a horrendous number. But his defense was so good. He's the fifth best player in Raptor. And the, and the guy ahead of him is Asani Gravette, who played 171 minutes. And you have, out of the regular players, it's Carter, it's Wagner, and it's Suggs using Raptor. You know, Fultz is at the top, but he played 360 minutes. EPM's not quite as kind on him, but they still loved him defensively. Uh, 94th percentile there. But offensively, disaster. Shooting efficiency, a disaster. LeBron is going to be a similar sort of story. Really likes his defense, hates his offense. And that drops him way down. I still think that there is a pretty good player in there with Jalen Suggs. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not as convinced as I was with him coming in, where he was, you know, I thought going to be a useful enough player with his steals and hit some threes and good rebounding numbers that he could be a top 100 guy this year. It didn't happen. And I don't know where he fits. I think his ability to defend and theoretically shoot, we haven't seen it, can enable him to play off of Fultz and off of Anthony. I don't think you want to play Anthony and Fultz together personally. So there is some upside there with him. And in fact, I think if you're in a dynasty league, it's a big distressed asset time to get Jalen Suggs. Because someone having that level of defensive ability as a rookie should mean to me that they can take those big offensive improvements. The shooting's atrocious. I do not expect him to be a 21% three-point shooter in his career. He, to me, is going to strike me as a Darius Garland, maybe a Killian Hayes, less so, you know, probably in between those two, as in after disastrous rookie seasons or after, you know, some limited time, that you start to see some stuff getting figured out and you take a flyer of them with the last pick in the draft. In a fantasy draft in round 13, you take a flyer and you go, oh, he might play 29 minutes, but he could easily jump 15 percentage points in his three-point shooting very easily. And I think there's upside to that. So dynasty-wise, big distressed asset energy. He's actually 132nd in points league, Suggsy. He averaged 24 points. More than Fultz did, more than Akiki did. Don't, don't count him out. I'm not writing him off yet. After that, yeah, I'm not going to spend any time on Devin Kennedy. I don't think he's an NBA player. Mo Wagner is a very interesting player. 272nd ranked player. Watch what happens. He could be an every night backup center if Mo Bumba is gone. I thought he impressed a lot. Raptor would suggest that you know, negative 1.3. That's not too bad. It's not great. It's not too bad. He was third on this team in his uh, EPM. Really effective true shooting, 62%. 
She finished at an insane level at the rim, 74 percentage points. Needs to work a little bit defensively. He's a long way off there. But give him, if he played, if he had to play 25 a night, he would be a top 120 fantasy player. I feel, I feel okay about saying that. Terrence Ross was a disaster guy. I thought he could be a bit of a, a, a flyer guy, end of drafts. He finished 311th. They played him 23 minutes a night. Shots didn't go in. No rebounds, no assists, no steals, no blocks. He'd been a good steals guy in the past. 29% from three. He's a guy that's got a reputation as a good three-point shooter. Has he ever proven it? Uh, not really. It's not the greatest environment for him, and this team doesn't help what he needs done. And defensively, he just fell right off. He is 30. I could see him being a useful piece, Eric, like an Eric Gordon level of guy. Although Gordon did it on a terrible team as well, but on a solid team. Like, think about him playing for the Bucks instead of Grayson Allen. I think he's an upgrade. Just getting him at 11 million, how do you do it? Him playing the Landry Shamit role for the Suns. 15 minutes a night, he'd be really useful. But I think his time as a 28 minute a night sixth man is pretty cooked. He's actually 31, not 30. RJ Hampton was a 369th ranked player. I thought he was actually horribly bad. Like, unbelievably atrocious this season. I don't know. He took. I thought he could be legitimately their starting shooting guard this year and work towards him being a part of their core. He was so bad. 18th on this team in Raptor. The two guys worse than him, Jeff Doughton and Aleem Ford. He was bad. He, he was the worst player. Is he the worst player in the NBA? 525th in EPM. Negative 6.7. That's first percentile. His negative 3.6 estimated wins is the zeroth percentile. There's no one worse than RJ Hampton this year. What did he average? 7, 3, and 2. 0.7 steals, 38 and 64. Can't shoot, can't defend, can't score, can't hit threes, can't rebound. I, I don't... It's his second year. So there's some room to improve, but holy shit, he was so bad. Watching him, looking at his stats, looking at his advanced numbers, nothing is good about it. He was a negative 9.5 net rating. This is partly why those guys like Anthony and Carter and Wagner have such good and Fultz have such good on-offs and plus-minus because RJ Hampton, when he comes off the bench, like he's atrocious. Even Suggs, he was a plus-one despite his struggles. That's why you look at Wagner and go, well, hey, hey, somehow he was a plus-0.5 and he was doing a lot of that sharing the court with Hampton. Like, that's impressive. I just, I'm completely out on RJ Hampton. I thought he was incredibly disappointing. The rest of their guys, we're looking at Lopez. I don't really care about that. Admiral Schofield, not really. Jeff Doughton, not really. Iggy Brezdakis, I thought, showed some flashes. I thought he was solid enough. But it happened in a lot of garbage time stuff and still a lot of concerns about where his game is. But he's not one I'm completely writing off. You know, no steals and blocks, really, for him. Rebounds, assists, absent. He scored a lot, took a lot of shots. But he'd be one that I'd watch. And then Bol Bol, um, I, I don't really know what we see from Bol Bol. Is he actually an NBA player? I'm not really certain of that. So that's where we are. I think we can invest in Carter. I think we can sell on Bumba. I think we can invest in Wagner a bit, in Fultz a bit. Tumor, I'm not certain on. Suggs, I think, is a bit of a buy low. And I think Wagner's a bit of a buy low, whereas Hampton, I'm completely out of. And that will do it for my Orlando Magic season in review. Let me know what you think. Drop it in the comments below, guys. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on Odyssey. If you're here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.